Welcome to Business Leader Breakthroughs, where we help unlock the potential in you, your teams, and your business. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We share insights, experiences, and stories on achieving breakthrough success in business and life. To learn more, click the link in the episode show notes or go to thebreakthrough.co. Now let the breakthroughs begin. Ken Calcoon, Mr. Awesome, welcome to the podcast. Oh, awesome. It's good to be here. Mate, I am uh, super excited to have you in the studio today. We've Thank been you. very, very fortunate to have you as a guest speaker a few times with the Breakthrough crew. And you are the only guest speaker we have had that is rated 100% 5 out of 5 every time you've seen an audience. Cheers, buddy. Hey, outstanding. Well, uh, you guys create an unreal environment with your people, eh? Yeah. And as a speaker, a big part of, yeah, is who I am, but it's also the environment that you're stepping into. And if that's an environment of people who are achievers, who are inspired, you're kind of preaching to the converted, but you're also topping up what they already love. And that's just the ultimate combination. Hey mate, I love that uh, feedback, but uh, you you bring the energy, buddy. You're you're amazing. Yeah. Hey, look, let's start with some uh, fast facts. Are you a breakfast or a dinner guy? Oh, breakfast. Yeah. Yeah. Symbol yeah. porridge, nuts, and blueberries. Nice. Yeah. Well, some good antioxidants. Yeah. Good protein. Yeah. Oh mate, killing it. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this one, but on holiday, where would we would we more likely find you bungee jumping or lying on a pool lounger? Oh, bungee jumping! Yeah, I, I thought yeah. that was kind of, you've done it right. Yeah, I have. You've got yeah. to always be pushing yourself. Right? Nice. Yes. Yeah. Where did you? Bungee? I love the pool lounger too, but but you know, given the choice, yeah. uh, down in Queenstown on yeah. the very first, the uh, original AJ Haggart mm-hmm. down there, just that was her Queenstown. Yeah. Unreal. Yeah. Yep. So only 54 meters, 40, yeah, something yeah. like that. Did you scream? Um, I said a few words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah. Have, maybe we won't repeat those ones. Um, <laughs> anyway, when you're when you're reading, do you like an electronic? Do you like a Kindle, or are you a real uh, book kind of guy? I'm pretty old school. I, I like yeah. to be able to touch it, feel yeah. it. I feel yeah. that's what sort of cements into me connects and uh, connects the brain. Yeah, cool. Alrighty. Big question now: cats or dogs? Uh, dogs. Thanks. Okay, we're good. We can keep going. Uh, early riser or night owl? Combination. Mm-hmm. Real combo. Really, deb- like, I can get up 5.15 and go on and have the best day. And then I can also work right through to 1am, 2am. Right. Yeah, okay. um, not on the same day, mm-hmm. but really sure. just, yeah. I kind of go, what's the task? What do I need to do? Make it happen. When's best? Yeah. yeah. Be awesome. Alrighty, if we're watching a bit of entertainment on TV, would it be thriller or comedy? Uh, thriller. Thriller, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. It kind of probably is in line with the bungee jumping, right? You know, just stuff that gets the blood pumping. Cool. Yeah. Hey, Ken, we've been super lucky to have you in front of our audiences and we've learned a bit about your your story. Uh, Maybe for the people that are listening in and haven't had the absolute privilege of, of hearing you speak, um, give us give us a little bit of your your backstory. Yeah, so Cam and I was born with cerebral palsy, so a physical disability which mm-hmm. affects the way in which messages travel around my body. And at birth, given a pretty grim outlook, mm-hmm. you know, presented with wheelchairs, walking flames, all that kind of stuff. But my mum and dad, they had a dream, and that dream was to be the best parents that they could, and to give everyone on to really 
you know, the, the two things that were presented as the biggest challenges, the way I walked became my biggest strength. I went on to represent our country throughout the world in athletics, uh, through athletics, got into public speaking, scared as hell. Yeah. That was the worst thing I'd ever thought I could do. Mainly um, because I talk funny. Yeah. And uh, but I had a dream, and public speaking became one of the a part of a process of that dream, and it turned into a, a hobby and a career and a business that takes me all over the world. Amazing, mate. And I mean, we've all seen that research, right? That says more people fear public speaking than they do dying. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And then you bring to the table the challenge, and I love the way you describe this with your cerebral palsy. That it's like um, some of the messages from your brain to your to your muscles. Yep. Have, they have to go over a few jutter bars. Yeah, or they speed, go speed over bumps speed bumps on, bumps. on, on the way. Yep. So not only, you know, with that challenge, plus the natural fear that people have of public speaking, you just decided to turn that into a career. You're a crazy man. I did. Hey? I did. What, what was it that drew you to the, to the challenge of, of public speaking? Uh, interesting, because I was in a conversation with someone the other day who said, Cam, did you do these things to prove a point? Mm-hmm. You know, did you get into running because you were told that you couldn't really walk properly? Did you, did you get into speaking because you have a speech impediment? Not at all, not at all. If I decided to do those things, those other reasons would have got in the way. But ever since I was a kid, I wanted to travel, I wanted to entertain, and I wanted to connect connect with people. Yeah. And so whenever opportunities came up where I could see that as part of the byproduct of doing it, I would give it a go. So athletics is entertaining. Uh, you get to a good level. You get to travel all over the world. Um, speaking, you're, you're traveling, you're entertaining, and you're connecting. You're, you're connecting with people, you're connecting people with inspiration, and ultimately you're connecting people with your dreams. And that's why I do what I do. That is so cool. Hey, tell us a, a little bit about your athletics career because you achieved at the very highest, uh, highest level there. And I, I wonder if you could maybe just lead us off with the uh, egg and spoon race, which was maybe one of your early uh, athletic performances. <laughs> and I think it's a, it's a great insight into what amazing parents you have as well. Can you, can you give us a little bit of that story about the egg and spoon race? So I remember at primary school putting my name down for the egg and spoon race. Not really taking into account how messy this could get for a kid with cerebral palsy. And as it neared my turn to be egg on spoon, my dad, he, he called out to me and said, Cam, over here. So I walked over to dad and, and dad says, my boy, you can be whatever you want to be in this world. And if you want to win this race, just believe you can. And with that, he spat out a piece of chewing gum and stuck it on the spoon and put the egg on top. And said, good luck. Brilliant, I love it. And we went on and, and, and ran that race and really had a passion for sport after that. And I guess, you know, what that, what that taught me when I look back on that story, and it wasn't until I was kind of becoming a speaker that I remembered that story, mm. right? I was talking with someone and similar to you, he said, Cam, where, when did you get into a sport? And I was told about high school, and he was like, well, did you do anything before that? And I was like, yeah, intermediate. And he was like, oh, what about before that? Mm-hmm. And that's when we got yeah, back cool. to the egg and spoon race. Mm-hmm. And so, um, 
you know, had this real desire growing up in New Zealand to, to represent New Zealand in sport. You know, I, I was a wheat bitch kid. I, I, yeah. I, I looked at my box and I wanted to, to get there. And at high school, my, my good mate, Terenzo Pisoni, an incredible Iron Man, uh, we were coming into a school athletics day and he, he saw me looking at that bit of paper and, you know, again, an opportunity. And there were all the voices going on inside my head as to why not to do it. And he said, just do it. And that's what we did. And it was a race where I didn't win, I didn't come second, I didn't come third. I, I lost it by a long way. Mm -hmm. But as I ran down that track, I, I forgot about every restriction I had. I forgot about the disability. I, I heard people chanting my name. I felt amazing. And so when I crossed that finish line, I wanted more of that feeling. And straight away, I went home. I looked up some of the greatest athletes of all time. I saw what did they do. And the next day, I told myself that's who I was. And so, I knew what training looked like. I knew that training was something that you did before school and after school. I knew it was diet. I knew it was massages. I knew that you had to really have everything. And within six months, I was representing New Zealand um, at, at Junior Paralympic Games. Yeah. Wow. And what were some of the tough moments for you during, during that time? Because every athlete goes through it, right? There's the continuous training, there is the, the diet, there's uh, the uh, sessions that the coach wants you to do, the like, oh, I'd really rather not do that today. Yeah. You know, how did you tell us about some times that were challenging for you and then how did you work past those challenges? So I loved challenging days. Like I loved it if it was raining and we had to do 10, 200 meters because straight away, every expectation is taken away. You're out there, you're battling the conditions that's what, you know, people are inspired by. And you don't know what it's going to be like on race day. So the tougher the physical condition, the more I thrived. And then some of the early days was uh, with getting coaches, you know, and, and finding a coach that could look beyond the cerebral palsy and that wasn't afraid of, of breaking me, you know. There's no way they could break me. It's impossible. I'm, I'm pretty much like, anyone else, you know, but um, perceptions get in the way for a lot of people and I I couldn't have a coach that their perception get in the way. And, uh, but at the same time, when the people were giving me the coaches they thought I had, I took that as well. I, did, I never fought in the environment. I never said, no, I deserve more. I was like, well, if that's what you're getting, giving me, what do I need to do in order to prove that I can have the top strength coach in New Zealand, that I can be in that squad? And that's how I started building connection and rapport with people and, and getting the support so that ultimately I could train next to Donald McDonald and James Dolphin and James Mortimer and all those guys, you know, and, and match their training. Sure, different times, sure different ways but that match for your training uh, and what after you know this training the peak of your career what were you running 100 meters on? uh 12.24 seconds yeah mate absolutely amazing starting yeah, uh so starting cool. at 19 something and uh yeah just chopping down wicked you're lightning 
That was, uh, it, was, it was so good. We've got our um, very own Kiwi Usain Bolt right uh, there. Very, uh, very cool. Um, tell me, with the attitude you seem to bring to everything, right? You seem to just have this uh, amazing positive attitude. Uh, I'm of the opinion that you choose your attitude, that it's it's something you, you choose. What's what's your reflection? Is Do you feel like you've just been this super positive person right from the get-go? Or was it a kind of a learned behavior? Did you have a moment or uh, a series of moments when you're like, actually, this is this is the uh, cards I've been dealt, mm. so I can choose how to do it. I can either wallow or I can get on with it. Mm. You know, how did, how did that such positive attitudes get formed for you? Yeah, and it is a real chicken-and-egg situation, right? I mean, you look at families and siblings can have the same parents and go totally different ways. You look at schools and kids go all different ways. So I really think it was an early adoption that this is my life mm -hmm. um, and I do get to choose how I live it, as simple as that, and that I always had an overactive imagination. Like I'd, I'd get through the pain of sitting on an assembly floor for an hour on a Friday afternoon by imagining I was in a fighter jet and hanging <laughs> around the clouds and, and never saw any reason why I couldn't be in a fighter jet, right? You know, and, and so I just fueled that because the more of what I gave myself, the more confidence I grew. And, and then kind of at the end of all schooling, I, I went to a course called uh, The Law of Attraction by Michael Lozier. And I didn't know what I was going in for. And it was the only course I was ever in where I sat on the edge of my seat the whole time going, you know what, this makes sense. This this makes sense. Mm -hmm. And other than Roll Dial, The Magic Finger, it was my second book that I'd read right. cover to cover mm -hmm. because, again, it spoke to me. And I think it spoke to me because it's been in me mm. forever. Mm. So how do you practice the law of attraction? By going, what, what's the, uh, what, what, what would I not want in this situation? Mm -hmm. You know, and in relationships and everything, you know, driving here, hitting a red light, you know, what 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 do I want to see in that? Do I want to go, oh damn, I'm stuck, or do I go, cool, I get 20 more seconds longer of listening to this podcast, right? I can't control my outcome. I can't control how I was born, but I can control every moment of of how I react to a situation and ultimately control my happiness. And I think that's what it all comes down to. Yep, super powerful, Cam, and I uh, am totally aligned with the way you think. Yeah. It's, uh, it's great. Tell me, you, you've achieved uh, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal things, and we don't need to precursor that with because you've had cerebral palsy. I think it's just mm. a, an absolute side topic. You've achieved things that um, anyone would be proud of, regardless of their situation, their socioeconomic, their physical, their mental, whatever. You've, you've achieved some amazing things. When you reflect back on what you've achieved to date, and you're still a very young man, so you've got plenty of runway left, but in what you've achieved so far, what stands out for you and some of the things that you're most proud of? Uh, number one would be what I 
do as a career and a lifestyle as a speaker. Because, you know, not only was I told I couldn't raise perceptions every day where you go, really? I get to speak with people every day. I get to walk into a room where no one really knows what to expect. And within a few minutes, we're laughing, we're crying, we're sharing ideas, we're, we're connecting, right? And the fact that I get to be a reminder in the world of the importance of communication or storytelling, that's a real privilege. And through that, you know, been involved in creating a disability resource centre, doing mentoring programs, but you know, getting a message from a kid in Dunedin who's asked, Cam, I want to be an All Black, and now I believe I can be an All Black. And then a few months later, speaking with the Blues, speaking with rugby teams, you know, throughout New Zealand, that's the stuff I'm proud of. Yeah. And, and you absolutely should be. I'm sure you've had some some setbacks in your speaking career. What's uh, what have been some of the the speed bumps in the speaking career, and how have you overcome those? I've uh, been the most recent of COVID. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe the other than that one because that's uh, that, that's been uh, I'm sure a. Um, uh, I was going to use the word killer, but that's probably not appropriate language for COVID. Uh, it's been a very challenging time for a speaker when there's not many events, uh, events happening, right? Oh, it's been a challenging yeah. time for everyone, right? And But when you see everything go in the space of a week, you know, and 80% of your income goes down, but there's been some cool opportunities, and those opportunities have come from reflecting on other challenging times of having my back against the wall. And I remember um, when I started full-time speaking as a professional, and this was six years ago now, and I went and I met with a, a, a company that I'd been doing some stuff through in a p previous job, and I went to them and I said, look, I'm a speaker now. No, I've been a speaker for a while, but this is the profession. Yes. What, what can I do? You know, can I speak at an event? And they said, yeah, Cam, we'd really love to have you speak. But what can you do for us over the course of a year? Right? So I was just going in thinking, I'll be stoked if I get one speech. But I go, what can you do over the course of a year? I, hadn't, I didn't even have a plan at that stage, but I said, can you give me, can you give me a 48 hours and I'll come back to you? And developed a plan which ended up giving me connection to every other incredible speaker throughout New Zealand because I was acting as a middleman to get them in. Right. Um, before getting them in, I'd be in front of the audience retelling a part of my story. So, you know, when I spoke about fit and healthy, well, now we have Billy, Billy Graham, who has lived this his whole life. And so I was getting this connection. And as a speaker, as a new speaker, every month I knew that I was showcasing at least one speech. And so people were like, He's doing it. He's getting it out there. Sneezing in front of an audience of people, you know, and not having a handkerchief and, and snot all over my face. That was a challenge. That yeah, was, I imagine that, that was a challenge. That was yeah, a challenge. Yeah. And, and again, that was a, a moment where you could have walked off and been like, the embarrassment associated with that was never worth risking that again. Yet, 
Right now I'm become a story that I get to speak all over the world. A couple of years ago I was up in Amsterdam speaking with Heineken, shared that story there. I loved it and I loved the releasing of it because what got me through it was support of another person and, and not letting those challenges get in the way because challenges are always going to come up. Yeah. Yeah, so there's always a tissue in the pocket now when you <laughs> Absolutely, there's always a tissue. There's any sign of a cold coming in, I get, I get, I get the full animation, you know, stuff, everything yeah. I need. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Superb, superb. Kim, not only is your story inspirational, but your technique as a speaker, I think, is phenomenal. Uh, I've been fortunate enough to do some speaker training and when I watch you I observe so many great uh, techniques that you use as a, as a professional speaker. For someone who's listening to this and they're going, I've got my first speech coming up or there's, uh, I'd, I'd love to build a career in, in speaking but I haven't done it, done it yet, mm. what would be a couple of tips you would give them about how they could you know, get, get over that uh, initial fear of getting on stage the first time? What would be a couple of things that they could be uh, thinking about and maybe put mm. into practice? Oh, well, don't picture everyone naked. <laughs> you know, that seems to <laughs> Highly be a, distracting. That seems to be a common one. Uh, but really, um, I, I remember I was being picked up to do a speech in New York and my driver, he, he said, Cam, who are the speakers that inspire you? And I said, look, there's loads of speakers, but who I'm really inspired by are musicians. Because a musician can tell a story in three to four minutes. It becomes their song, right? And then they, they have a concert. And so they put all their songs together and, and they've got it to the point where after hearing the song once, the audience is able to sing along to it because it's that familiar, it's that relatable. And so it'd be weird if people started speaking along to my speeches. <laughs> but that's kind of what I'm aiming towards as a speaker and so when I've got to present, I look at what are the kind of stories I've got, how do I build those into kind of three to four minute stories nice. with lessons either side, because then when it comes to delivering a speech, whether it's in a one hour speech or a 15 minute speech, or so I can, the speaker before has run over time, you've now only got 50 instead of 60 minutes, I'm able to pull one song out and put another one in, Great. which is my, my storage. Mm. And so really have my, my main thing for it, if you've got to give a speech, make it fun. Law of attraction, whatever ways in which work for you, humour works for me to break my eyes, but it may not work for everyone. Pointing at charts may work for you and be you, you know. I think there's a lot of trainers out there saying, you've, you know, you've got to do things this way, or I remember going to my trainer and, Cam, that's good, but you know, when you say that word, make sure you hold your hands like this. And all that's powerful stuff to know, but it's not gonna make you or break you, you know? And so, detaching yourself from how it has to be to fueling yourself with what empowers me, that's gonna be what makes your speech memorable. Yeah, 
yeah, that is that is spot on. It's great advice. And uh, one of the um, speakers, uh, speech trainers that I came across, he said, um, "Get over your disease to please." So stop being so concerned about what, how you please the audience. Be passionate about the yeah. story that you're telling, and and then it's up to them how they take it on board. Right? You can't control that piece. Totally, so, yeah, but she, that is such a natural feeling, right? You know, course. which is why I think so. My speaking is up here with death in terms of fear because, but what do people think of me? Yeah. And, and that's a great thing because it keeps you accountable, it means that you are going to put your work in, it means you are going to know what you're going to say. You know? And I think most of, you know, I've, I've heard people go, I've got to give a speech next week, tomorrow, oh yeah, what are you going to say? Oh, I don't know yet. I'm terrified. Well, big reason why you're terrified is because you just don't know what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, correct. Yeah. No <laughs> plan, don't yeah. know what their, what their little building yeah. blocks are. Yeah. Uh, got it. So, Kim, I think you set an aspirational goal of uh, speaking in New York. Yeah. That's something you've already achieved. Yeah. What What's on the uh, aspirational list as a speaker still? What what do, you, what do you want to achieve? Yeah. So for me, you know, I it's really about building an empire. And I, I get to speak with these businesses all, all throughout New Zealand. Yesterday I was speaking with a company called... Uh, outside in, which do office plants, and you, and they've got a team of seventy people, right? And and when you see that a dream on a bit of paper has now become somewhere where you've got an office space and you've got people who are brought into your vision, who are part of it. You through your business, you're able to employ people. That's where I want to get to in my own way, and so building a kingdom of inspiration and how that came up is when I was going to America you'd say who's, who's, who's the number one speaker here and you know he's worldly known Tony Robbins you know he's right up there and so I would love for if Tony Robbins came to New Zealand who, who's, the, who's the biggest speaker you've got here? Cam Calhoun. Hell yeah. And that's where I want to get to for no other reason than I want to build. I want to build people. I want to build inspiration. I want to build an empire. I want to build a legacy. I, I want to build a business. And so, keeping open to those opportunities, of which we are so many, and being able to say yes rather than no, being mm. excited by the possibilities rather than the perceptions. Mm. Oh, and it's such powerful questions, and I can see how you have this brilliant internal dialogue where you uh, immediately don't go uh, what many of us do and go, what what would stop us achieving that? You go, how could I? Yeah. And just that, that framing you, you bring to everything that gets presented to you, you go, how could I make that happen, yeah. or what, what would be possible here? Uh, just simple changes in our language that we use in our own mind can make a huge difference to our outcome, right? Well, and it's also because I've been there, you know, as a teenager, I was in that place where I wasn't the positive guy I am today in terms of the positivity was there, but the challenges were way heavier than the possibilities, right? The, 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 the fear of what people may think about me was keeping me 
to myself. Uh, the fear of dropping a ball or losing a wicket wasn't because that can happen to people in sport. I was blaming it on myself. And so from 13, 14, early 15 years of age, I, I, I was not happy. And, but what did get me through that was having a dream. You're not having a dream. There were some pretty dark days and I said to myself, but Cam, you know you could achieve this and if you end it all right now, you're never gonna know if you achieve it. And then because I had that dream, I was able to actually listen to the support that was given, been given to me. You know, a letter from Jeremy Wells, my mum, my dad, people like that. But I don't believe that if a dream hadn't been there, I would have listened because when what, someone's giving me positive information, but I don't know where I'm gonna go with it. So a dream, whether it's what you wanna be or what you wanna do, don't get too caught up on that side of it, mm. but have a dream. Mm. And people would say, I don't have a dream anymore. I think that's bullshit. You know, I think every single person has a dream, mm. but they're letting those perceived realities get in the way. Yeah. And some of those realities are, are pretty big, are pretty convincing, but, but so is having a speech impediment, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, as I said, we've been fortunate to have you as a, as a speaker, and every time I hear you, I go, wow, I just need to be a better human. You know, look what, <laughs> look what Cam is achieving, and I'm like, <gasps> man, I, I need to try harder here. What's going on? So mate, you are an inspiration. I know we, we've spoken to so many people in our audiences that have just gone, you have uh, ability to make people think deeply about where they are with their lives and what they're looking to, to achieve. Cool. Tell me about the word awesome, because it is, it is the cam word, you are Mr. Awesome. <laughs> gotta, gotta you know, we might even have a hat in the room that yeah. says, says awesome. <laughs> um, I should have I had, there's some amazing... Uh, buzzers floating around oh, you can oh, push, push the button and they tell yeah. you you're awesome uh, uh, mate tell us how did how did awesome evolve uh, i i didn't realize i was saying that word quite so much and uh a boss in my and an old job she turned up one day and she said look cam you say this word all the time uh, i think you need it uh, i think you should own it and I did, I started owning it. I was like, this is a great way to, to build my business. You know, as a, as a young speaker, I, I didn't have the budget for marketing. I didn't have the budget for, for creating big billboards. And so I was like, how can I connect Cam Calcoon, not with cerebral palsy, but with awesomeness. And so now in the office, uh, I have, uh, a tie that says awesome, awesome, awesome. I have this hat, I have postcards, I have books, I have stuff that's been sent to me from people all over the world that has awesome on it. And so what's really awesome about that is that not only are they thinking of me and sending me a gift, but in that time, they've been reminded about what they were feeling, what they were believing when they heard me speak. So now I have, and, and that's a, that's a part of the, the science behind my speaking of having these associating associations that can get your message out there even when you're not 
anywhere near that person. Yeah, spot on. And came at the breakthrough, we think uh, physical health and mental wealth is a really important uh, aspect. It's, it, can't, it has to come before everything else. Um, tell us, what do you do in the physical health, mental wealth space to uh, be as awesome as you are? Yeah, I challenge myself and, and do gnarly stuff. You know, before this recording, we were talking about bungee jumping and skydiving and downhill skiing and last year you know climbing up mount kilimanjaro and i think that there's stuff in this world that complements every bit of personal development that we ever do you know the beauty of of climbing something like mount kilimanjaro is a lot of our goals and business are, are quite long term you know they, they go take years or, or decades to to achieve right Whereas when you're hitting Kilimanjaro, you're going through all the same steps in the space of, well, the build up of six months and then the seven days when you're on the mountain. But you come down from it and you realise I had opportunities to give up, but I kept going. I had moments where it felt impossible. I'm vomiting, I'm spewing my, my lungs, everything's telling me to stop. And how often do we get that? in business as well, but we got up here and what got us up here was the dream of the people that were around us. Mm. So Kilimanjaro, tallest freestanding mountain in the world? <laughs> yeah, yeah, apparently. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, so, yeah. so I've been told. Yeah, yeah. tell us yeah. a bit about 19,000 feet. No, phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, so it was higher than I skydived from. And I thought, well, that's perspective. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and other than the uh, literally conquering the mountain, yeah, uh, you know we've we've heard that famous uh, quote from Sir Edmund Hillary, yeah. artist, the uh, New Zealand climber. It's not the mountain we conquer, but ourselves. Yeah, you know what did you what did you conquer personally in that time, or where did you most feel connected on that that journey on Kilimanjaro? Yeah, I, I was, I, I felt connected to the the power of building a culture around you because that's what got us up there you know the, the dream came in I was like yeah that's cool let's climb Kilimanjaro let's find some other people to do it with because now on those days where I don't want to do my training walk I'm not just thinking oh this is me this is the whole team right um, but the most recent reflection I've had was only last week and that was the power of coming down gracefully. Because someone said to me, you know that you could have had the opportunity to fly down, right, from base camp. And I was like, but if we'd flown down, we wouldn't have experienced, it wouldn't have been the whole mountain we conquered. We would have only just got to the top. And I think that we can look at the top of our business, top of especially the sports, you know, getting to this level, what am I going to do now? Well, how are you going to come down gracefully from that? So gracefully was supporting other people. It was taking it slow. It was realizing that diet and sleep was just as important coming down, if not more so, because you're exhausted 
And so too was inspiring people going, yeah, I know, but we've only got two more days to go. Let's get down. So I think this whole thing, you know, and it's something that I want to start touching on more is, yeah, we can boom, 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 and dream big and achieve more and get there. But then what? And it's not because we want to keep dreaming big and achieving more, right? Life really has been a journey. I, I thought that getting to the top in athletics would be the pinnacle. Hang up my shoes, what else do I have to do, right? But, but then came speaking, and then came building a business as a speaker. And, and all of those have come about because you've got to the other side and maintained relationships, continue to look after yourself, continue to look at the bigger picture. And so I came down and I looked at all these things and I, I redesigned how I was going to keep traveling and entertaining and connecting more than ever before. And things have changed, but great opportunities have come up and starting to put more stuff online and looking at the online space and, and really looking at, well, part of building that kingdom of inspiration is about being online as well as being on stages. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You need to create leverage as a speaker because yeah. it's a uh, it's a tough business if the you know the only thing you're doing is speaking from the stage. So great. Yeah, thing but at you that, know that what? I, I I I was I'm so stoked that as a speaker, I focused a hundred percent on speaking. Oh, totally. So so in terms of when I started the business as a speaker, they were like, yeah, but what other avenues are you going to do you know when's the book coming out when's the videos coming out when you but because i just wanted to nail this one thing that's what got me to the six figures within the first year yeah. of being it because yeah. we were no other distractions yeah. and important. now you get to this level where you can start investing and looking into all those different areas uh, you, you're very aligned with, we had David Galbraith, who's a, a yep. psychologist on, yep. the, on the podcast, uh, and he talked about this uh, less importance on outcome. Yeah. So he found that a lot of the sports people and business leaders he'd worked with, that the ones that were only ever focused on the outcome were in for a pretty tough journey. Yeah. Those ones that focused on mastery of the thing that they were, were doing and the continual pursuit of being better at what they were doing was, yeah. a, was a much better road and the courage to step into places where you haven't been before, right? So, you know, the speaking from a stage, that's just one part of the journey that you've mastered. And yeah. now you've got the opportunity to, you know, continue that mastery, but also add on some other, other bits. Totally. But I, I, I fully agree and understand that focus is, is critical and you can't, you can't master 50 different things at once. No, so and just, just uh, yeah. and get out of there and yeah. do it. And, yeah. and, and like the cool thing now is because on, on March 25th or whenever lockdown began, right, I kind of coached myself that there may not be any more work for the rest of 2020, right? Yeah. And so now that there is the work coming in, all that is seen as a bonus. And so I'm refueled, I'm re-inspired with everything. I'm ultra-inspired by it. And I'm able to invest in different ways within, mm -hmm. within people, within myself, because I've learned through lockdown of that actually you can survive on just a, a supermarket shop a week. You know, yeah. you don't need all the other stuff 
going on, but you kind of thought, oh, well, that's how you operate. You've got to be able to eat fast because I'm busy, busy, busy. Well, actually, eating good brings you more goodness. Yeah. Yeah, bottle of porridge with some, yeah, some, some porridge. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Took a photo of it. I was like, I would have paid 80 bucks for this. Totally. It was over there. The cafe. Over yeah. cafe. And look at it. And I feel great. Yeah, totally. So, Cam, what I'm going to do is I'm figuratively going to give you $2 million. $1 million mm. you have to spend on yourself. Yeah. $1 million you have to spend on your business or the community or whatever you'd like to do with it. What would you do? <laughs> Yeah, the one million on a business. Where imagine, imagine what you could do in your business if you just got an injection of one million yeah. bucks. What would you do? Well, what I do? Yeah. Go and employ some people. Yeah. What, what, roles, what roles? Because if I had a superpower, one of the early yeah. questions was, if I had a business superpower, it would be to be able to do things incredibly fast and efficiently. Mm-hmm. You know, because I'm a yes guy. I say yes to you so much. And then you've got to get it done. <laughs> so being able to just have that team mm-hmm. behind you who, who can produce the podcast, who can do the videos, who can take the photo, the, the social media posts and support people, that's what I do. And then I look as a way to give back um, to the community because our greatest success isn't what we do by ourselves, but what we do for others. And look, finding the charity, there's so many amazing groups out here. Oh, I came you've around so much for the community with your with your work with the Disability Resource Centre, you know, this kind of thing. So uh, I think, yeah. you know, again, you're, you're overachieving uh, in that zone complete to plenty of us, so congrats well, on One that. of the coolest things is just, you know, we, me and my girlfriend, we were in Christchurch uh, a few months ago, and, you know, there's a homeless guy outside the supermarket, and she was like, why don't we just buy him a chicken? And and just doing things like this is, that's what the thing's about, mm-hmm. you know? That being, being able to look at things of what is the opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Yep, perfect. Yeah. And okay, stop being so nice about everything. What what million dollars would you spend on yourself? On myself? Yeah. Oh, dude, uh, uh, <laughs> I want to fill up that garage with a few more cars. Yeah, yeah, a, few yeah, more yeah, yeah a few more toys. Well, what, what's one of and the what's one of the models? Nine eleven would be would be pretty cool, yeah, right? Pretty and uh, then just having a few toys like jet skis and nice. yeah, um, yeah, go down to Queenstown more. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get oh, in some good skiing. Yeah, hey, look, we're uh, you know in a time of COVID, where travel overseas travel for us at the moment is uh, highly restricted. Yeah, but aren't we amazingly lucky to be living in a country that has so many amazing things to to offer? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what's on your holiday plans coming up? Uh, I actually need to. Oh, my sister's just had her first kid, so right. I've become an uncle for the first Congratulations. time. Congratulations! She's down in Wellington, so right. I, I want to get down there. Um, and yeah, uh, travel something I've been doing full time for the last five years as a full time speaker. Sure. And so to actually be in in Auckland and in in New Zealand is a, a really cool thing, mm. and uh, just enjoying it. Okay, 
Hey Cam, it's been amazing for you to join us today. Thank you for sharing insights, for inspiring us yet again. Uh, You really do inspire uh, myself and I'm sure our audience to be better people. Uh, And that is quite a a skill that you have and I know it's a skill that you've worked hard at uh, to come to fruition. So firstly, thank you. Uh, Secondly, uh, look, I just couldn't recommend highly enough you as a speaker. For those of you that are listening, for whether it's your next event, your sports club, your corporate dinner, whatever it is, book came in. He delivers every single time. He's the five out of five, hundred percent guy. He is literally Cam. awesome. Uh, Cam, where can people connect with you online? How do we find you? Thank you. Through website, which is my name, camcalcoon.com, and then that handle onto pretty much everything. Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, you want to see me dance? I've got some stuff on TikTok. Yeah, and, oh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> nice. But again, like it became a, a TikTok came along, and I remember being told as a kid, do things that make you feel uncomfortable, and then being told by a mentor, Billy Graham, get outside your comfort zone and stay out. You know, and so. Just, you know, going, okay, we're going to do a, we go do a dance, we're going to put it out, see what response. But again, it's getting uncomfortable and it's realizing that I do this here, I can be more myself. It's the same with going to the gym, you know. I, I, I think that's a place where you shouldn't care what anyone else is thinking or saying or they're not, because right now you're not doing the gym to be a champion in that room. You're at the gym to be a champion in your life. And if lifting a weight that funny way, if doing that funny exercise means you walk better, that you talk better, that you have a better quality of life no matter who you are, that's why we go to the gym. That's why we step outside our comfort zone. Yep. Yep, Billy Graham's smart man because it's outside the comfort zone where the magic happens, right? It is. Yeah. It's really good to break through. Yeah, awesome. Cam, you're a champion. Cool. Be awesome, dude. Awesome. Thank you. See you, mate. Cheers.